This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Monday, June 18th, 2018. This is episode 30. Yeah, not a bad little round number there. I, of course, am Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, I'm joined by Yahoo Sports NBA insider Jordan Schultz. Jordan also does plenty of NFL and college stuff with Yahoo as well. But for today's interview, we're focusing on hoops. I talked to Jordan about growing up in Seattle and him wanting to be an NBA star growing up. We talk about his career path one that had many stops before seeing him ultimately land at Yahoo Sports, moving from Seattle to New York, his podcast with NBA star CJ McCollum, one that's doing really well on the charts, some sports media stuff, a lot of current NBA stuff, including, of course, LeBron James and where he may be going soon, and a whole lot more. I'll get to that interview with Jordan in just a few minutes. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yo, the truth is a tough pill to swallow sometimes, man. Right now, I'm joined by Tone Pucks, my Pat with Pucks co-host partner. We'll have our regular Pat with Pucks segment later in this podcast after my interview with Jordan. But before I get to that, dude, it happened again. Now, regardless of why it's been happening, the Buffalo News Sports Department It's in shambles now, and there's no more denying that. We've already seen a huge departure of longtime talent, and this week was the biggest blow yet. One they may not even be able to recover from, that remains to be seen. But Tim Graham, who's widely regarded as not just the best feature writer in Western New York, but maybe one of the best in the entire nation, he's out. He didn't take a buyout. He didn't get offered a buyout. His contract came up, and he didn't want to renew it from everything I've gathered. Again, the circumstances don't really matter. What does matter for the Buffalo News is they just lost what almost everyone would agree is their most valuable asset. What's your reaction to Tim Graham being the latest one out at the Buffalo News? Well, I I can't say that uh, it was met with a lot of shock uh, on this end, mainly because you could tell his disenchantment with what was happening leading up to it. And the, the difference with Graham as with a lot of the others that um you know that were offered buyouts or however they those things played out is I mean I just feel like Graham can write his ticket just about anywhere. He 
is not pigeonholed. And this isn't to say that the other guys necessarily were, but, you know, I mean, Vogel was, you know, mostly a, a beat writer um, of sorts as it related to the Sabres. And, and Gleason, while he did some things with columns, you, you know, was doing a lot of coverage and stuff like that. You know, and, and Sully had kind of grown to not going much beyond the scope of uh, columns related to local interests. Whereas Graham, you know, Graham just had a huge variety of things that he wrote about and and captured people's interests in that, um, you know, that that's going to fly anywhere. And now we're going to see <laughs> where it's going to fly next. Well, you know, you touched on it some. I think you can make a plausible case for the other departures. And, and by the way, for everyone listening, we're talking about the Buffalo news. And this is, again, we talked about this last week, too. This is something that's starting to happen at a lot of major newspapers. It's not exclusive to Buffalo by any means. But in this case, we are talking about the Buffalo news. So you can make a plausible case for the other departures, like John Vogel, who covered the Sabres, Bucky Gleason, and even Sully, like you said. Good good workers, really good workers, but they're replaceable. I just don't know that Tim Graham is. You know, a lot of people, particularly on Twitter, they don't like Tim, and I get it. In fact, some of them, they, they hate Tim. But even those, and here's the difference to me, even those that hate Tim Graham on Twitter know that what he does as a talent is irreplaceable. You know what I'm saying? Even though those who hate him, like a lot of people who hated on Sully, they just didn't think his writing was good. You know, he's a negative Nancy. He never had anything good to say. He was trying to poke the finger, you know, to, to rile people up. Those type of columns, I personally don't agree with that, but I see the case where people were saying that. But with Tim, even those who can't stand Tim know what a talent he is. So that's going to be very, very difficult for the Buffalo News to replace. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, if they try to replace it. I mean, look, I, I'm going to say something here that I don't know will be real popular because a lot of people that I respect um, a great deal loved his work for, you know, the, you know, the, the long form uh, that it was. But honestly, bro, I, I can do with or without long form. <laughs> you know, I, I don't need great long form writing and, and to, you know, to get my sports fix. And, and he brought that, um, to you in a way that very few do nowadays, you know, it was, uh, it was obviously well done. It was obviously well-regarded. I just personally find myself probably missing a, uh, column as I see him from Sully just as much as I as I would a Tim Graham long form. So we'll see what the news tries to do in, in terms of, you know, replacing the type of work that he did. And that's where it'll be missed most is is uh, he had good sources also. So in his sources and in his uh, and in his long form writing. So they're, the Buffalo News loses on that aspect. But again, you know, last week or two weeks ago when we talked about this with over Sully, I was really hard on the news and I'm still not happy about this. I don't like change like that. And in a matter of a month, this whole sports department got flipped upside down and who knows where it goes from here. But at the same token, maybe it is time that we give the Buffalo news a chance. Let's not have a burial for them yet. It's not funeral time quite yet. 
let's maybe we should have the attitude of let's wait and see what happens with the Buffalo news before we go having a funeral for them. Having said that though, if you're in charge, if you're the guy at the Buffalo news, what are you looking to do to make them better and to make them relevant? Because yes, they got Mike Harrington. He's a great writer. Again, one of those guys, uh, you love him or you hate him. You know what I mean? I get that. Vic Carucci, well-known writer, Mark Gaughan, a couple other guys that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Jay Skirsky, of course. But after that, man, they don't got nothing right now. If you're that lead guy at the Buffalo News, what are you doing to make this sports department better? Well, I, I mean, I assume they're going to try some things that are unique to, um, you know, to the market. I, you know, you got to you gotta try something. We'll see what they do with hockey coverage this coming week, um, to, you know, with the NHL draft being on Friday. And obviously, you know, the Sabres having a huge stake in that and the potential for, you know, for, for player movement. And then there'll be the wrap up with Botterill at the end of the weekend. And, you know, obviously Harrington will be on that big time. We'll see, you know, we'll see how much they use Amy, uh, Amy Moritz, who I think is really talented you know, uh, around the draft and we'll see if somebody else uh, emerges there as well. And, and, and it's just going to be a work in progress to see how the news tries to cover those, you know, those exits, whether it's with, you know, I mean, what type of content, whether it's uh, long form content, uh, you know, beat uh, guys, you know, just as many on the beat, that sort of thing. And it, and it really gets started uh, this coming week with the with the draft, and then they'll then they'll prepare for training camp and and the upcoming uh, the upcoming bill season, and they'll do a lot of things that we don't see. All right, I'll tell you what. For the moment, let's leave this here for now. Let's get to that interview with Jordan Schultz from Yahoo Sports. It's a good one, and after that, we'll reconvene for some Pat with pucks. My guest today is an NBA, NFL, and college hoops insider and analyst for Yahoo Sports. He's also co-host of one of the most popular sports and rec podcasts out there anywhere. Pull up with CJ McCollum. CJ, of course, is a star for the Portland Trailblazers. I'm talking about Jordan Schultz. What's going on, Jordan? Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Appreciate your time. Patrick, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, definitely. The pleasure is all mine, man. You were born in Seattle, right? Yeah, yeah. Born and raised in Seattle. Absolutely. What was it like growing up in Seattle? And is the rain thing a myth or not? Because I'll tell you what, I've lived most of my life in Buffalo, as everyone knows. and I've been in Florida for the last two years. The summertime, it never stops raining in Florida. Does it really rain that much in Seattle? You know what? The rain, it's not a myth because it does rain a lot. The myth is that it's like drizzling or it's pouring all the time. It's really, it drizzles that that's the issue. And it's kind of gloomy a lot. And you know, the weather itself is pretty moderate, but it's a fantastic city, an unbelievable place to grow up. And the, the rain, I don't know, being from there, it never really bothered me that much. And, uh, I can tell you that, uh, when people go, especially, you know, the, the beautiful eight, nine months, basically any time, but January, February, December, everybody loves it. It seems like. Now, growing up in Seattle, I'm going to heavily assume you grew up a fan of all the Seattle teams. Of course, back then, it also included the Seattle Supersonics. You're a big Seattle fan, I'm assuming, right? 
Oh, massive. I mean, uh, honestly, like all, all my best memories as a kid are either at the Kingdom or Husky Stadium or, you know, it, it, any Seattle sports event. Those are the, the memories I have the most. Honestly, really, it comes down to all, all those teams. And, and I grew up reading and learning. The, the way I learned how to read was, was the sports section of the New York Times. So I, oh, really? I was obsessed with, you know, Ken Griffey was obviously a big deal. Uh, obviously, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, um, you know, just every possible Seattle sports figure. And I was in a lot of those games. Now, I know you were a hoop star, a high school hoop star at University Prep. You were an all-state shooting oh, guard. Oh, man. Yeah, see, dude, I you do my research. homework, huh? Oh, hell yeah, dude, I do my homework. Can't look like the fool on this. All right, so you go to, you know, you're at high school, you're a star at University Prep. And like I said, an all-state shooting guard, and you help lead your team to a state championship. In fact, I read you scored 21 points in the first quarter. Dude, that's like Vinnie Johnson. <laughs> that's like Vinnie Johnson microwave shit from Detroit Pistons era. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that is, I haven't talked about that in a while, but you just put a big smile on my face. That was a great time, man. I graduated high school in 04, so it's been a, been a while now. Um, we went downstate for the first time in school history, which was an unbelievable experience. We actually, we didn't, we didn't win it. The team we lost to, um, had, uh, was very good. I don't think, I don't know if they lost the game that whole year and we kind of got a rough draw, but we got, we had a hell of a run. It was a great experience And that 21 point game. I think it was five for five from three in the first quarter. And, uh, Damn. that, that helped me that uh, if I remember correctly, there were, there were some, there were college coaches at that game and I was extra nervous cause it was a, a loser out winner to state game. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, the ball went in the hoop that day. You're also a good high school baseball player too, right? Oh man, yeah. My my sophomore year, I was I was first team all conference, um, but uh, I ended up really going to basketball. And I don't know if that was the right decision, Patrick. I think I was better at baseball um, because I was never really a great like like I was a really good athlete with sports, but I wasn't like a great athlete like quickness wise, leaping wise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I never really had the like basketball, I had to work really hard. I made the varsity as a freshman, didn't really play, started as a sophomore, and then had a, you know, had a couple really good years. But I, I, I think baseball was kind of my best natural sport, and there are definitely times where I think I could have gone further with it. And so for college, at least initially anyway, you stay local and you go to Seattle University. Now, you played basketball right. there too, correct? Yeah, so I ended up playing two years at Seattle U, um, and – I had a, it didn't really turn out for me the way Patrick, I, I had hoped it would. I, I registered my freshman year cause I just wasn't good enough. Um, and it was a big wake up call because I, I thought I was at a higher level and I wasn't. So that was a big wake up call. I came back my second year, my redshirt freshman year. I was in great shape. Uh, I thought I was going to play a little bit. And, uh, right before the season hurt, I came down, uh, from a, from a dunk on somebody's foot and, um, just screwing around. I don't even think I really, I think he lifted me. Yeah, it was like a big guy. We we're just playing around, and I came down somebody's foot and lost almost that whole season. So now I'm two years out, and by that point I was kind of ready to leave Seattle and uh, explore, you know, maybe away from home. So I ended up transferring down. I didn't want to sit out, and I also really wanted to, to go to a, to go to a good school. So I ended up going to Occidental College, which um, you know didn't have scholarships. Uh, so the, the commitment wasn't, it was still a big commitment, but you know, it wasn't quite the same, but it was a, it was a really good experience. And again, I did not have this great college career. I had some great games, but it wasn't a consistent, great career. 
now that cop, that's in LA, correct? Right. Yeah. Right outside of uh, Pasadena. Okay. Even after that, like you said, you didn't have quite the career that you wanted in college, but you didn't give up. You, you know, you took a, a run at the NBA D league, correct? And I believe from what I read, you made it to the second stage of that, right? Yeah. So what happened was I, I, I didn't, so I played four years in college. I didn't play that fifth year that I was eligible for. Cause I was just done at that point. You know, I, I just felt like, you know, the college basketball part of me was done and, and, um, I was just ready to pursue like this career. And so I started doing more internships and everything. But then when I finished, I think I was 25, I came to New York and they asked, they, they knew I had played at, at, a, at a relatively high level. And they, and they asked me if I wanted to go do the national D league tryout in Virginia and cover it and play in it. And I said, of course, I'd love to. So I had a, I think I was like mic'd up and I had a camera guy and it was just kind of, it wasn't a joke, but like, I didn't really, I, I took it kind of, I took it seriously, but I was also like trying to get interviews with guys, you know? Right. And so when I went, I was excited to do it and I ended up playing really well. And I got a call back from the, the, the Idaho stampede in Boise, asking me to, to fly out there and do their tryout. And I think I, I, I played really well there. And I thought for some, I actually thought I had maybe not a great, ch- I had a, I thought I had a, a, a puncher's chance to either make it or get another call back or, or something. And, uh, the, the, I talked to the coaches and, but they ended up signing and this is where it's kind of funny. I think they ended up signing Salim Stoudemire and Antoine Walker. So I didn't feel as badly, <laughs> but I was definitely disappointed. And, uh, it was kind of the, 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 the final dagger of my career. I've done the past couple summers. I've done the TBT, the two or 3 million, whatever, $2 million winner take all tournament. That's been fun. Uh, my best friend played in Europe for, I think three years. So, I, I've I've been around it, but I just thought it was time to pursue the you know this career. All right, I'm joined by Jordan Schultz from Yahoo Sports. Yo, you know what? It's been fun talking about your basketball career, but let's start to transition in the reason why we're not doing this podcast today, and that's writing. Let me ask you this: At what point did you initially become like really interested in sports writing? Maybe not just as a hobby or something you like to do, but right. you said something, and you know what? I could do this for a living. I think my well, I always wanted to do it because I always thought I was going to go to the NBA, which was insane. But I always wanted to to do this, and I, I would say probably my uh, probably like my my literally like my junior high school, so maybe sophomore year. So when I was fifteen, fourteen, something like that, I really started to think about it, and I knew I wanted to do. It. I didn't know how to do it, but I, the only reason I was able to. I, I, one of the main reasons I should say that I was able to get through school was because of writing, because it was really my biggest strength. And I, I struggled, you know, with, with math and science, and I just wasn't interested in it, but I love to write even non-sports and, and sports to me was the perfect marriage. So by the time I got into college, I really started to pursue it uh, with internships, like going into my, I guess my sophomore year of college. Now your journey to Yahoo sports, it certainly wasn't a quick and easy road. You mentioned internships and like you've worked at, you know, you've done work at the LA Times, FanHouse.com, Bleacher Report, SiriusXM, and of course the Huffington Post. That's where I first, by the way, that's where I first discovered you, just so you know that. I was working oh, really? At, yeah, I feel like yeah. you and about nine other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I remember you from that. How was working in all these places? How did that help you advance you into your career, you know, with where you're at today? I think, Patrick, as you know, like when you're in this business, it's, it's about relationships and experience. And I think for me, the biggest, the, the most important thing was just 
was probably not giving up because there were plenty of times where I got really frustrated and I, I still get frustrated, but, but it, I, I, when I graduated, I graduated on nine, moved to New York, could not get a job at all in the industry. So I worked at this like tech startup, but I was doing the simultaneously writing this blog, this, this like basketball blog. And it, that helps me get in the door. I won this, I don't know, I think marginal award, but it was a big deal at the time. Um, for, and that got me in the door at fan house as like a copy editor. And sometimes I would do that like graveyard night shift. And I was always on the desk editing. And what happened was that I did that for probably about a year. And then I got in the door at HuffPost because they had, they were acquired by AOL. They needed a sports columnist. Fan house was operated by AOL. So I was kind of already in, I was already in the building and uh, that was kind of my first break. But I, I, it's like once I, once you get that little bit of success, you want more because you, you feel like you, you can get it. So that really helped me. I mean, I was at the Hub Post for I think like seven years or so, and within that, I did you know Bleacher Report uh, as their uh, their college basketball analyst during the tournament on on, on camera, and I did Sirius and uh, NBC Sports. I just I basically said yes to every opportunity I could because I knew that experience and reps were were key. Absolutely. Now you mentioned New York. What brought you to New York? You from Seattle? You went to, you know you grew up there, went to school there. You know you went to college in LA too. That's a big shift, a culture shift going all the way from the West coast, all the way to the East coast. How much of a change was that for you? Uh, the first year, Patrick, I thought I was gonna go back home. I, I, I was really struggling. Um, first of all, I couldn't really get a job that first year in, in the, in the industry. So I was, I was kind of, I was upset about that. What happened was, um, when I graduated, my girlfriend who I ended up marrying, she was like, we got to try New York. It's going to be great. It's going to be good for your career. And I, I didn't really have a choice because I wasn't going to, I didn't want her to go by herself. So I just said, okay, this is going to be good for a year or two. And that was the plan. I, I don't think we anticipated being here more than, more than like three years tops, but, um, it was a huge shift for me. I struggled with the noise, uh, not having a car, you know, basic stuff. Uh, you know, the, the all the people, the hustle, <laughs> did you struggle? Just everything. Did, yeah. Did you struggle everything. paying $5,000 a month for a shoebox apartment? <laughs> apartment, uh, um, you know, spending $28 on a cab ride. I mean, just crazy stuff that I never even knew existed. And because I wasn't having the the professional success, I really, it started to really grind me. So I I remember having conversations like we're going to, I need to go home. You know, um, I want to move in the next six months. And I, if had the, the, that, that break at fan house and HuffPost not happened, I I don't know how much longer I would have lasted. What led to you joining Yahoo Sports a little more than a year ago? So I, I knew that as great as the HuffPost experience, opportunity was, I felt like I had I felt like I had maxed out because they they were going they were already not you know sports was not a big part of their business it wasn't an integral part they they were obviously business and tech and politics but sports was very small and I just could tell that it was becoming less and less important um, to, to the brand. And, and on top of that, I didn't think it was, I just didn't think I, I was getting the, the, the type of exposure I really craved. I was doing a lot of TV and, and radio, but, but I wasn't, I just didn't feel like I had as much credibility and, you know, I just, I, I, I felt like I needed another opportunity. I needed a, a new place. I've been there seven and a half years, I think it was. And I just felt like I had a lot, all the people I worked with, they were like basically all gone. Um, they had moved on or whatever it was. So I just, it just felt time to me, you know, and it, and it, it wasn't anything against post. I just didn't think 
I, I felt like I had maxed out. So the Yahoo opportunity was interesting. AOL acquired Yahoo or Verizon. And I, I knew, I knew a lot about Yahoo sports because I thought their, their basketball coverage with the vertical was really strong. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when they approached me about coming on, I was really excited because I knew it was a real sports brand that had a commitment to the sports brand and not just a news you know, organization. So that was exciting. And then, you know, the opportunity to, to continue to pursue writing and on camera and, and radio, just everything to me felt right. And so it's like you said, it's been about a year and um, it's hard to believe it's, it's really gone by fast. Now, everyone who works in media has a couple of sports media influences who were, who are a few years. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've had Adam Schefter on because uh, Adam has been a, a, an unbelievable friend to me and, and, a, and a real mentor because he, Such a great he's guy. obviously the pinnacle of it. And when you can think about like getting to the, like the apex of sports journalism, that's Adam to me. And so he's been a huge influence on me. Um, you know, I think uh, just being inspired by like, like just reading and, and watching, you know, anybody that's good at what they do. It doesn't have to be sports, but, you know, thinking about somebody um, like a Willie Geist or somebody like a Michael Strahan, guys that have transcended it, uh, you know, somebody sure. like, a, you know, just, just people like that, that are, that are really good at what they do and not just in sports, but in news and reporting and broadcasting. Um, the guy at, at Hub Post that was always really strong with Sam Stein. He was like the first big Hub Post guy, you know, again, not in sports, but I think finding that feeling like you can do this or you can do that because you see somebody else doing it at a high level, that to me is always inspiring. So I, 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 those are some of the names, but if I had to pick one person in sports, it would have to be Adam just because he's, he's been so kind to me and, and, and offered advice and just, you know, doing things that he didn't have to do. And, you know, for being as big of a sports media star as he is, he's one of the most humble people I've ever talked to. He didn't like me when I call, I call him a star, you know, a sports media star a couple of times. He hated it. He did not like that. He does not like to be considered, you know, in that fashion, just a really humble guy. Let me, let's, let me, ask, I got to ask you a question here. So you grew sure. up, you want to be a basketball player. So you wanted to play in the NBA. Like, you know, all kids who play basketball do you become a writer. Was it a process for you to shake off some of the nerves when interviewing people in, in the NBA, you know, like I'm sure you've interviewed players or coaches or GM stuff like that, that you've grew up admiring. Maybe, you know, you're a little bit starstruck, at least at one point earlier, earlier in your career. How's that process for you? You know, dropping that starstruckness of, Oh my God, I'm talking right. to, you know, whoever it may be right? and, and becoming, a, you yeah. know, a writer as opposed to being a fan. So there, I, I, here's how I would answer that. I, I was always so enamored by professional athletes, like any kid growing up, but I was exposed to it and I had experiences that helped me shake off a lot of that, where I was able to, you know, just feel more comfortable maybe than, than others. I also think, I really believe this Patrick is, I think playing uh, as long as, as long as I did. And it, like I said, you know, a relatively high level like that really has helped me because I, I just, I'm so comfortable in that space. And I think developing these, these relationships and, and feeling comfortable around people, like all of that came into consideration. So the answer to it is yes and no. Like I, I was nervous very early on, like right out of school, there'd be times where I do interviews where I was really nervous. Um, I remember like talking to Dwayne Wade when I was pretty young and being really nervous or 
or Chris Bosch, you know, like that, that was a little bit nerve wracking for mm-hmm. me, the Bosch thing. I, I just remember some of these certain instances, but for the most part, and then as I've gotten older now, I'm 32, the last few years, especially, um, and then doing on camera stuff, like all of that, I, I really, I feel like it, it transitioned pretty smoothly considering that it could have been a lot worse. I often ask sports media guys who come on this show, the same question. So I'm going to ask you this to you as well. When you cover a team or a sport over time, you start to develop relationships and I'm sure sometimes friendships with some of the competing, you know, newspapers and websites, TV stations, radio, whatever. You know, on one hand, these men and women, they become your friends. On the other hand, you know, you, you want to kick their ass when it comes to getting that yeah. scoop or writing the best story. Is it ever a little yeah. bit tricky, you know, to try to balance that, that line between friends and competition? Because like I said, you want to win that news cycle, but maybe it sucks that it comes at the expense of your buddy who you're friends with, you know, from a competing website or newspaper. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I think for me, you know, just trying to do things the right way and build relationships the right way is, is the key. Because if you, if you think about what this business is in, in any business, it's about building trust, relationships, finding common ground. So, you know, like if you're going to deal, I, I really enjoy the process of dealing with agents and coaches and players and uh, GMs, the whole, the whole gamut. And, and it's, it's how I start my day off in this sending out texts and getting a feel for what's going to happen that day. And all that is predicated off of trust. So that to me is a big part of it. You have to be a two way relationship. It's something that Adams told me a lot. You have to have, you can't just always expect to get information. Um, you know, it has to be mutually beneficial. And then in terms of other people in the industry, like, or other reporters, you, you need to, for me, it's about understanding that they have a job to do, but you're going to gravitate as have, as I have toward other reporters and journalists that, you know, are like-minded. Uh, maybe it's because we both love basketball or uh, we can relate to uh, childhood experiences, whatever it is. That to me is more important than getting scoops. So, I always want to do things the right way and make sure I don't step on other people's toes. Um, and if there's a, there's a negative story that's going to come, I'll try to, you know, give a heads up to the agent and the player, maybe get a statement, find out if it's true before, you know, before anybody else reports it that I know just things that you, you, you feel like are doing the right thing because all of that is how you, I think advance in this business and in life. And that's how you feel good about yourself. And, and like what you said is a really competitive business, Patrick. One more media question, and then we'll move on to talk about the podcast and a little NBA talk before we wrap up. Because I have a lot of sports media people that listen to this podcast, I get a lot of feedback from aspiring writers and and bloggers. What's the best advice that you could give someone who wants to be a sports writer or a sports reporter? I think I did this Reddit AMA today, and a lot of people were asking me this, and and the answer is is really simple. A, you got to make sure you love it. B, you got to attack it and C, you got to attack it some more. You can't, if you have a, you're going to have issues. Like you might not get hired. You might get fired. You might have a fight with an editor because all this stuff happens. But if you just continue to push and, and tr- like, just think about like a game, like you want to win that badly. And I'm, I'm gritting my teeth as I say this, cause I get so fired up. You're going to have success. I think the biggest thing for young people uh, you know, high school, college is internships or experience. You know, if you, if you can get an internship, that's enormous. If you can't, you know, start a blog because writing is that one skill that really does translate. And it's something that I think you don't see a lot of great writing anymore. Um, it, it, people don't have the patience for it. I, I don't know what it is, but 
that's the one skill that really translates. So I would say experience, attack it. Um, obviously treat people the right way. Cause that'll always come back and then just continue to write because I think reading and then writing is enormous. And, and that's what I would say. Read too, Patrick. Reading is so big. That's how you, that's how you get better with everything because you, you pick up that information, the styles. It's just a great way to learn. I'm talking to Jordan Schultz from Yahoo Sports. By the way, he also does NFL stuff, but I'm being greedy today because I have enough football guests on here, so I'm kind of stealing Yeah, you got here. enough football. You this got Adam, a, Kathleen, Schefter. You don't yeah, need to Yeah, this football. is a basketball interview today. Thank you very much. I Listen, I got to talk about the podcast here. I want to know all about how the podcast with C.J. McCollum came about. So my relationship with CJ goes back quite a few years. I, I, I'm really close with Earl Watson, who was CJ's assistant coach in Portland years ago. And when Earl was there, he said, you got to meet CJ. Like he's, he's really special. And so when we met, we, we, we connected and, and there was an instant credibility because everybody loves Earl. I mean, he's just that guy. So CJ and I had stayed in touch. We became friends. And then about three months ago, uh, Patrick, I got a call from a guy by the name of Chris Corcoran, who was a phenomenal guy who was giving my first big break in radio, hired me in NBC sports radio. Now he's an intercom or now he's a cadence 13. They do woes pod. They do pod save America. And they said, he said, listen, we hired CJ. Uh, we think he'd be a really good fit. What do you think? And I jumped at it. I was so excited because I knew how smart CJ was and I knew our, our connection and just talking basketball, like for me, it was the perfect marriage. Now, for the casual fans out here who may not know who he is, because if you're living under a rock, if you don't, CJ McCollum's a very good basketball player for, for Portland. Dude averaged over 21 points a game last year. One of the best guards in the NBA. Are you surprised by how good he is at podcasting? I knew you would be uh, yeah. good. I'm, are you surprised at how good he is, though? Well, I knowing how like intelligent he is and the way he works at just everything, I, I I shouldn't be surprised, but he's that damn good that I am. Like I am surprised. He's so savvy, and it's not just with basketball; it's just the way he thinks about uh, music, the way he thinks about uh, television shows. And we had we had the Billions co-creator on last week, and the way the the questions he asked were so insightful. I've because I listened back to it, I was like, man, I should have thought of that question. That's a great question, <laughs> and, and so. I, I have been surprised. And he, I, I just, I've been so impressed with him, the way he prepares. And, and what was really cool for me was watching the playoffs with him because he's such a low key guy, but to see him react to certain plays or players and just having the insight to say, what's it like to guard Steph Curry? And why is it so hard? Not, not just, Oh, cause he's so good, but what really makes this team, this offense, this player is so hard. All of that stuff has been really fascinating for me. He is really insightful. And there are other athletes who have podcasts out there. I'm not going to name names, you know, say some are good, some are bad, but let's just say that not all of them are as well prepared as CJ is. It's kind of, they slap their name on there, get on a mic, say a couple things and bam, podcast is out. Definitely not the case with CJ. And you know, in part because of that, and of course, because of you too, that show is consistently ranked pretty high on the Apple podcast charts. Always in the top. Yeah, I really 100. appreciate that. Yeah. That's got that's got to be a pretty yeah. good feeling to have a podcast. You know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of sports podcasts out there to consistently be ranked on. That's got to be a great feeling. And I feel like we're we're really hitting our stride because of the, 
at first, Patrick, it's like, you know, I don't want it to sound like an interview, but I go back and listen. I'm like, that kind of sounded like parts of this one sound like an interview. It sounded a little too formal. And that was like what we talked about early on, like using our chemistry. Because remember, we're not in the same studio. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll tape some in New York this summer together, but he's usually on the road. Like in the playoffs, he's on the road. And so it's hard. So we're texting a lot to get that communication throughout the show. Like you go, I'm going to ask this or whatever, especially with guests. But finding that chemistry, um, it's different to have chemistry as like friends and then like to do a podcast together in two different states. It is it is a little bit of a challenge, but he's made it really easy. And, and hopefully people are, are getting a lot out of it. You kind of alluded to what I was going to ask you next, because there's a lot of podcast geek nerds out there who listen to this show. And I mean that literally in the most complimentary way possible. I'm sure they're interested. And you know what? So am I. How do you make it work with CJ being in Portland or somewhere on the road while you're in New York? Like what's the process of you guys putting that podcast together? So we, it's, it's, it's actually kind of seamless in a way because we have, we have a producer who's terrific and we have him and I basically, you know, throughout a few days leading up to the, to the show, we, we might start to talk about ideas. Um, you know, during the playoffs, it was, you know, maybe KD gets 40 or, or Anthony Davis without Boogie, you know, just whatever storylines we could find that weren't just super obvious. Although obviously we hit into the, to, to big stuff as well, you know, main topics, mainstream stuff. I think going the, the, the day of the podcast is big, like that morning, really starting to think about what's going to work and what probably won't work. Um, or we'll sound just, you know, tired. So it's all about uh, communication as is anything, as you know, communication, trust, uh, having a relationship and, and, you know, me being able to say, I don't think that's going to work or him saying, I, I'm not sure I, I love that. Um, and then having the, the confidence of one another that we'll be able to execute it. But um, I feel like at the last like five, four or five shows, we, we've really taken it up um, just in part because like you said, uh, as you know, like with reps and getting it together every week, you just start to build confidence. Now I've been reading CJ's name and some trade rumors of late which is probably par for the course this time of year with a lot of guys around the league. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Think, there, do you think there's a real chance he ends up getting dealt? I mean, he's, like I said, he's a hell of a player. It's not like you're doing a podcast with some stiff. Well, what I say is like, if you're getting talked about in a trade, that means somebody wants you. Sure. So that's, and also the NBA is a business. Like I can't tell how many players, young players, CJ's 26. He's been around a little bit now, but how many young players I've talked with um, where it's just like, God, the NBA is such a business. I mean, I, I was with, Evan Booker, the last few days, we were talking about how anything could happen in the NBA. It doesn't matter. Anything can happen uh, in terms of, like, just look at Chris Paul. Like, did anybody ever think he'd end up in Houston five years ago? I mean, that's a perfect example. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's just me. Like, that's just me thinking that's that's a totally perfect that, – that's an absolutely perfect example of a superstar that, that ended up somewhere else. Anyways, with CJ, um, I, first of all, I don't think he's going to be dealt. Uh, I've I've asked him about it a little bit. I don't think it bothers him because he's, you know, he really does just work and he enjoys life and he's, he's all about the process. Like some guys really love the result. CJ likes the process too. He loves the process because it, it allows him to get the gratification of the result. You gotta understand this guy was taking taxis to the arena early on in his career because he wanted to get his work in knowing he wouldn't play that night and knowing that if he took the team bus, he wouldn't have time to get the full workout in. Wow. Taxis. This guy is such a grinder. I mean, he went to Lehigh. He was not heavily recruited. Obviously beat Duke. So all of this, that, that moxie and that mindset uh, and intelligence that he has, I, I think that's why he's able to shake off the trade rumors. Um, and, and personally, I just don't think they're going to trade him 
given the fact that he is 26. He has a he has a he makes a lot of money, but it's a reasonable contract, and he's gotten better every single year. All right, so as I transition to NBA talk here, let me get the generic question out of the way that I'm sure everyone who you interview with is surely going to ask you until it actually yeah. ends up happening. Where do you think LeBron James is going this summer? I think he's going to the Los Angeles Lakers, Patrick. <laughs> I have a I've friend. Said. I got to get hold on. Yeah. I got a friend, Michael Vino out there. I got to give a shout out to him. He's going to love you for saying that. Explain. Well, for me, it's about LeBron's about two things, right? He's about rings and he's about legacy um, and brand. And so, and kind of putting that in the same group, the, the starting with the, the latter, I think the opportunity to go to Hollywood and use magic Johnson as a blueprint for becoming this media mogul, this, this global iconic brand, that's, there's nothing better than that. And then you think about at 33, you know, obviously he wants to win. They have an opportunity the Lakers to, to sign two max guys, $70 million. They, they might not win a championship right away, but let's just go out and theoretically they get LeBron, they get Paul George. Then you start to think about Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo uh, Ball, Brandon Ingram. Um, I don't think they're going to resign Julius Randle, but think about that, that core. That's really special. And I, I, I think if he goes to the Lakers, it almost takes pressure off of him because he doesn't have to win a championship right away. Right. If he goes to the Rockets, that pressure is there. And that's, like I said, he's about rings, but he's also about legacy. And I think some people would perceive that as the easy way out. And that's why I think I've had multiple sources tell me that the Celtics and, and Warriors are in play. And I, I think the reason is, is because, you know, he doesn't, it's not appealing for him to go out and chase a Kyrie or, or a KD. You know, Houston makes sense. I, I agree. I think New Orleans is a dark horse, San Antonio. But when it comes down to it, to me, the Lakers are the best fit for everything he wants to accomplish. If LeBron does end up in L.A., and by the way, I mean, you would know more than me. I'm completely guessing here, but I agree with you 100%. If he does end up in L.A., does Lonzo Ball stay? Well, I, I think, and I, I might be in the minority here, but I think if, I think Ball is, out of those three really good young players, and I'll put Ball in there because I think he is one with Kuzma Ingram, um, I think he's the least likely to be there long term. It's not because they don't like him, but it, you know LeBron is is a ball dominant guy. What are you going to do with Lonzo Ball if LeBron's there? I mean he he needs the ball in his hands because he's it, it is he is what they hope is what everybody wants him to be is Jason Kidd, which means he's going to be an unbelievable passer, make everybody better. But LeBron is he's unbelievable. He's the best player in the world, but he is a ball stopper. He needs the ball in his hands. Look at his usage rate; it's always top of the league. So for me. Between that and the fact that I think I just think Levar Ball is 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 tough, and I think if you hear Luke Walton talk, um, you can hear that frustration, and that was that was part of their issue with with Lonzo going in the draft last year. And obviously, he's a really good young player. Uh, I think he's a good kid, but I ultimately think that he could be expendable if if LeBron uh, winds up a Laker. I'm really glad that you mentioned Levar Ball. Because that could be a problem if he does go to the Lakers. Like LeBron's going to, you know, have the ball all the time. Lonzo might not get the touches or have the ball in his hands as much as his father likes. And we all know his father's mouth and how it gets. I don't see LeBron dealing with that for very long if he does end up there with, with Lonzo Ball's father. Yeah. I mean, think about LeBron's not, he's 33, Patrick. He's not, he doesn't need LeVar Ball talking about Lonzo getting Hell more touches. no. 
Hell no. You know, and uh, and that's, I mean, listen, he's he's had issues with Dan Gilbert. That's obviously a, a totally different animal considering, he, you know, Gilbert's an owner. But it's a, I, I just don't see, I, if I, if you had gun to my head, I don't I don't think Lonzo's there if Le, if if uh, LeBron goes to Lakers. And I think the fact that the Lakers have this young core, uh, specifically with Kuzma and Ingram, who I both I think both those guys can be all stars. Um, there's a lot to like about that team, and not to say again, I think Lonzo is going to have a it's going to have a strong career. I just I don't know if it's going to be in Hollywood. Now with LeBron, let's say he does go to LA. Let's keep that going again. He'd obviously, and the Lakers can sign two max guys, but let's just say for the sake of discussion that Paul George maybe wants to stay in Oklahoma City. Just for the sake of that discussion, is there another guy out there who could be a free agent or a trade candidate that you could think of off the top of your head that if LeBron goes there, this would be the other guy instead of Paul George to go there? Because I do think it'll be a plan. LeBron's not going there just by himself, or maybe he does, but I would think that they're going to bring that second person in with him. I think... Dark horse could be Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, they, he's obviously both him and George are from LA. The, the, the Leonard situation is really intriguing because, you know, he's 26. He's not even in the prime of his career. And you don't see this happen with the Spurs. It's totally unprecedented with that organization. Um, if Paul George doesn't go to the Lakers, I think he stays in Oklahoma City. He's working out with Westbrook this summer. Uh, obviously, things did not go great this year, but. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I think it's, it, it feels like that, that could be an option. And, and I think Paul George is a phenomenal player. So that would be huge for the Thunder just to maintain that, you know, connection with, with, with Westbrook. But if you're looking at a real like dark horse for the Lakers, I think Kawhi Leonard would be my other guy. I, I just don't know if that's salvageable with San Antonio. It's, it's so severed and so strange. He didn't even travel with them in the playoffs. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So that would be my guy. Last week on the show, I had former NBA point guard Rod Strickland on, who's also the godfather of Kyrie Irving. And he talked pretty much at length about the disappointment that, you know, went on between LeBron and Kyrie that they couldn't work it out. You know what I mean? Ultimately, that's how Kyrie gets dealt. And it was really noticeable in these finals because, listen, Golden State was probably going to win no matter what, whether Kyrie was a Cav or not. But this year, more than the other years, I mean, it just looked like, big boys against little boys in the NBA finals as much as LeBron did. What is, what do you think at this point? They've won three titles now in four years and it doesn't seem like they're slowing down anywhere. In fact, I would say, and maybe you don't agree, but it doesn't matter wherever LeBron goes this year. I still think golden state's the team to beat. Where do you rank them among the all time great teams after winning three or four? And like I said, there may not be an end in sight for quite a while. I, you know, if you look at the numbers, Patrick, they are at the top. I mean, in terms of efficiency, you know, points, points, uh, uh, winning differential, everything they've done is uh, is at the top. And I don't, I think, because of their personnel. When you start to think about Kevin Durant and Curry and, and Clay and Draymond, I mean, these are just phenomenal players. Specifically, Curry and, and Durant as like transcendent Hall of Fame players. That to me puts them at the top. They have supplanted the Spurs as, as our modern day dynasty. I, I would love to have seen them versus like the O one Lakers, for example, with Shaq. Um, but I think they're absolutely at the top. You know, we talk about the Celtics winning 11 with Russell. That's a totally different era. So it's hard to, to put that into perspective, right. but I think they're right there with, with a team like the 96 bulls uh, or, 
you know, the early 2000s Lakers. They're, they're in that conversation. They might be at the top along with the Spurs. Now we're taping this and we're airing this just days before the NBA draft. How do you see the very top of the NBA draft playing out this weekend? And, or this week, I should say. And I don't know, I'm, you know, I'm not looking for the Jordan Jones full mock draft here, yeah. but the very top, how do you see it playing out? Well, I think it's going to be eight and one. Uh, I think the really interesting pick is Sacramento because they do like Michael Porter. Um, I, I thought for a long time it'd be Donkic. I'm not convinced now that he goes there. I think if I had to say right now, I think it'd be Marvin Bagley that would go too. Uh, and then Atlanta is interesting because they can go Bamba, they can go Jaron Jackson, they can go Donkic. I, I think the 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 real wild card in the draft. Um, for me at the top is Mohamed Bamba in the sense that you could legitimately say that he could be the best player in this class. If it, if his talent comes to fruition, what he's a- able to do offensively, uh, you see him working with Joel Embiid, the seven, 10 weeks. Ago. When I reported that, I, I couldn't, I, I almost couldn't believe it. I mean, that's a, that makes him the longest player in the NBA more than Gobert. He's put on 30 pounds in three years and he's just freakish. I mean, he is the modern day center. So I, I'm fascinated by him. I also, I mean, a little bit further down, I love guys like Dante DiVincenzo, Zaire Smith, Kyrie Thomas. Um, I'm fascinated by Trey Young. I think he's going to be a really good NBA player. I think this is one of those drafts that has this phenomenal value uh, into the second round. One more hoops question, and then we'll end with our mini lightning round. It's all right, so I live down here in Florida, okay? I've been down here for two years now. Orlando's roughly 90 minutes away I've tried for two straight years to get into this team and get excited about them. But frankly, Jordan, listen, they bore the shit out of me. They really do. You know, it's not so much that they're not good. You know, I'm a Bills and Sabres lifelong fan. So I'm used to my teams not being good. The problem with Orlando is that they're just often completely uninteresting to me. What can this team do this summer maybe to make it a little more relevant because they just seem like a team that's going nowhere. And I should have said Aaron Gordon's fun to watch, but after him, there's just not a lot on that team that I like that excites me win or lose. It just doesn't seem like they're headed anywhere anytime. soon. Yeah, no, that's, that's been the the criticism of them for a long time. And, you know, they, they, they missed on the uh, Hazonia pick. I mean, they could have had Devin Booker. We talked about him earlier. God, I think, I think they, you know, they have a, a really good young player in Aaron Gordon. Um, I, I'm sure they want to resign him. I think, you know, if you think about, you know, Vucevic, the, the big guy from USC, uh, he's, he's an intriguing player, but they just don't have stars. I think Gordon is the closest they have it, and maybe he will become one, but they're banking on him to continue to improve. Jonathan Isaac, who they took early last year. They just, if you think about like NBA rosters, they're up there with the Knicks is just the totally devoid of talent with the exception of a couple of players. So I, 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 if I'm Orlando, this is one of the, this is an incredibly important draft. Um, you have to get this pick right. And you can't, when I say, right, you, you have to hit a home run. You can't just get a starter. You need, you need a superstar. And that's why I think guys like Trey young or um, Mikhail bridges, who I really like, I think that's why they're going to look there. But uh, you're absolutely right. If you're a Magic fan, it's it's a long time coming. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I like to end every interview with a little mini lightning round. Simple as this. What I'm going to do is ask you a couple random questions. Not too much thought required. And whatever you think of first, just pop it out of me. All right? Cool? Yes, sir. All right. Favorite athlete you've written about? Oh, wow. 
Uh, <laughs> so much for your lightning round. Like, uh, like in terms of doing a story, maybe like actually interviewing the whole process. Yeah. Oh, so many, there's so many good ones. Uh, Michael Bennett would be, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with Michael. Um, I, I just, he's a really smart, innovative thinker that thinks outside the box. I really have enjoyed him. Um, I didn't interview him for the story, but I've, I've gotten to know him quite well as Colin Kaepernick, who I, who I am fascinated with. And I think is, is as important a person, uh, as there is right now, not just athlete. And, and I've really enjoyed getting to know him. Th- those two guys, at least in football would be at the top. I'll allow the football answer this time. And you know, you kind of gave yeah. me a thought. I think now maybe I'm going to have to get you on in a future episode and we could actually talk football. Cause now I'm intrigued. By Absolutely. Favorite city to visit. I, 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 well, I'll go Chicago. I, I love Chicago. Um, I think it's, fun, it's just a world-class city. Vancouver's up there too, but I put Chicago one cause I love the food, love the people, love the culture. It's just a beautiful city. Favorite activity or hobby to do when you're not working and basketball doesn't count. Basketball. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I go, I go tennis. I love tennis. I've gotten into that. It's easier on the knees. As you know, Patrick, how old are you, Pat? 40, 38. I'm, I'm in my later forties, my man. So I'm 32, but I have, I do have some miles on my legs because of the hoops. Tennis is just easier, man. You just, you don't get grinded down. Don't get as sore. So I, I would put tennis at the top. I definitely am not going to put golf. I, I'm probably the worst golfer in North <laughs> America. And I don't think anybody dislikes golf more than me too slow. Well, I'll tell you what you're 32 and it's tennis when it's 42 and maybe pickleball. You know what pickleball is? You know what? I have played pickleball. That's a fun game. It's I like an that easier game. version of tennis. You don't got to move around as much because the ball doesn't go as fast. I see the old people in the complex playing it all the time. I'm going to start playing it soon. It's about all I could do. Well, yeah, t- pickleball is great. That's <laughs> like a. It's. I, I was actually. Wa- it was on TV the other day. I was watching it. Fascinated. That it was on TV. And uh, you're right. It's kind of like a. It's like a combo of badminton and tennis. There's some movement, but definitely not bad movement. <laughs> Do you have a favorite sports movie? Uh, yeah, I, I have so many, I mean, okay. Remember the Titans is definitely up there. Um, favorite, favorite sports show, Friday night lights. For sure. I'll get that out there. Another football show. Um, I, I would just off the top of my head, I would say, remember the Titans, but I, I, I there, there are so many good ones. Like what, what am I forgetting right now? I guess, uh, Bill Durham's great. What, what are you like? I'm a Bull Durham guy. I, I like the natural. I probably have to go with the natural. The or natural's Hoos- great. Or Hoosiers. Uh, or Hoosiers. I'm doing. I'm just going to do something right now that that's probably frowned upon. I'm actually looking at best sports movies so I don't forget. Okay, here here are my top. I'm going to go with Happy Gilmore, even though it's golf. Jerry I watched Maguire, that yesterday. Jerry Maguire, uh, Sea Biscuit, um, Caddyshack is obviously has to be up there. I think any of the Rockies. Um, I liked Moneyball a lot. That was fun. I would. I, I. I probably have fifteen or twenty of them. I mean, it's embarrassing to have so many, but uh, I do have a lot. Uh, you know what else is fun? Blue Chips, old school, but fun movie. Do you know who Jenny Brentis is from Sports Illustrated? Yeah, she's terrific. She's oh, yeah, awesome. She's great. I asked her that question, and she told me that she's never watched any sports movies. Can you, oh can man, you believe we gotta, that? Yeah, I know. We got to fix that. I mean, some of the boxing movies too are great. Like Creed was great. That that was so yeah. fun. Yep. Okay, yeah. here's a question that might be hard for you to answer because it's probably all you've known going by our interview. 
If you had never gotten involved in journalism in any capacity or played basketball for that matter, what do you think you may want to do with your life? By the way, I got one more cool runnings. I love that movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, I, I, I probably would have been a coach because I, I do, I still love working with you know, with young players, especially basketball. I love the process of seeing a kid get better. I think it's so rewarding to, especially like young kids that are, haven't really experienced success. That to me is, is just really fascinating and a great experience. So I, I would have been some kind of coach, I, I think, um, trying to help kids. And then also to, to piggy one more would be, I do, I am a big animal guy and I, I have been really involved in animal welfare. So I think between those two, I, I would be, I'd be happy. If Twitter, and this is the second last question here, if Twitter sent you a note and said, yo, Jordan, you're only allowed to follow one person on Twitter and one person only, who would it be and why? Wow. Uh, I'd probably go with our guy Schefter, but that's football. So I don't, I, I just, I would go Schefter right now. Cause I, I, I just love Adam and I think he does a phenomenal job. I agree. Okay. Last question here. You could have three dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, anytime who you got. Abe Lincoln won freed the slaves. That's top of my head. Um, Man, these are so these are so good. Great questions. These are questions I like to ask people at dinner. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe somebody like an early astronomer, like a like a Galileo, who like changed the way we look at astronomy. That that to me is phenomenal. Um, I'm thinking, dead or alive, right? Dead or alive, any era. Socrates, the original, as my buddy says, the original OG. Those three, but, but I think if you ask me this again and we do this again, I'd have have a hundred different, I'd have have different answers. I mean, I think John Kennedy, I I actually might put him ahead of uh, Galileo. I I, probably have to go with JFK there, but, but that, but that's my, those are my three. Jordan Schultz, Yahoo sports. Listen, I thank you for your time, man. We went almost an hour. I know this is a busy time of year for you. So, to take your time out and do this for me, I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun having you on. Patrick, phenomenal questions, and uh, love to do it again. Thanks for having me. Pat with us. To the victor belongs to sports. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass? The customer is usually a moron and an asshole. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but then... Let's talk about the Bills because, you know, I again, am I giving you props here or not? I don't know, but minicamp is over. The next step is training camp. You have been beating relentlessly the Nate Peterman drum pretty much since this podcast launched in February. Not so much predicting that he was good. Actually, you literally did predict he would be the week one starter. That was when Tyrod Taylor was still a Buffalo Bill, by the way. Now camp's over. It looks like Sean McDermott wasn't just giving us coach speak. It looks like a legitimate competition is in play for the starting quarterback spot this summer between A.J. McCarron and Nate Peterman. Your thoughts? You know, expected. 
My 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 thoughts are that I me. I I expected it. I I all I want to see uh, people do, as difficult as it may be, is take the San Diego game and just throw it in the trash, man. All right, not because it didn't happen, not because it couldn't happen again, but because it's clouding everybody on the rest of Nate Peterman's body of work, which all we ever heard were good things about. And when we watched him in the preseason, his reads and his balls were crisp. They were there on time. They were there in a, um, you know, in a way that gave receivers run after catch opportunities, all the things that Tyrod Taylor didn't do. And if look, if, if, you know, fans can sit there and, and to the naked eye talk about how Tyrod Taylor left all kinds of plays on the field, you know, without really being any sort of, you know, quarterback savant or, or scout or whatever. It's just, it's just what people started, you know, it it became the narrative about Tyrod. Then fans are also entitled to say that Nate Peterman looked pretty damn good at, at times, you know, it's a novice eye either way. So, you know, for every, every person out there that thinks they knew what Tyrod Taylor was about, you know, there's, there's what's, what's right is right, man. What's good for the goose. There are people out there and I'm one of them that think they saw talent in Nathan Peterman. And I think quite possibly it might be more talent than AJ McCarron. Maybe McCarron wasn't as highly thought of as we were led to believe. I thought it was a real steal when we got him in free agency, but you know, in hindsight, maybe there's a reason why guys like Bradford and McCown Some of those other guys found homes before him. Hell, even the Browns who, you know, reportedly tried to trade for A.J. McCarron last year, they decided to give up the first round or the first pick of the third round and trade for Tyrod Taylor. When if they really wanted A.J. McCarron, especially since what he got in Buffalo wasn't much, they they could have got him for free. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think think if A.J. McCarron loses the starting job and training camp, he's going to get cut because of the cap situation and stuff like that, they don't need to, but I'm starting to get to a point now where I could totally see a situation like when we had Tavares Jackson a couple of years ago where AJ McCarron becomes nothing more, literally nothing more than some kind of injury insurance. You know what I mean? Although like I listen, I'm not sold on Nate Peterman by any means, not saying you are sold, but I still don't think this guy is going to be the starting quarterback in week one. Well, um, I still do. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think he's still bottom line is this. Okay. Unless, unless he becomes Allen's backup because, you know, the bills just love him. He stays here. You know, he maybe gets a start here or there, that sort of thing. But, you know, they just, they, they like those two as their, you know, as their quarterback room for X number of years, uh, into the future, you know, if he just gets stuck here, basically behind Allen minus that scenario, I think if he gets a shot at starting some games in this league, he will ultimately, uh, become a middle of the pack starter, uh, in the future, you know, for 50 plus games as a, a 50 plus game starter, in this league. I, I believe he is capable of being that. 
Well, regardless, as a matter of fact, I'll take it a step further. I'll take it a step further. I'll, the, who knows if we're still around when this happens? But I'd be willing to bet right now, and I'd love this. I'd love to see this be a Twitter poll, okay? And obviously, I can't have it because I've got like seventeen human followers. So why don't you throw it up there? <laughs> All right. Who starts more games in their NFL career, Nathan Peterman or AJ McCarron? I bet. I bet the house on I'll Nathan Peterman. I'll throw it up there sometime this summer. Put it this way, regardless of who starts this year, and I'll throw Josh Allen in that it mix as well, Vegas don't seem to really uh, think too highly of the Bills. I saw the Bovada odds. They're out. And the odds of Buffalo winning the AFC Championship, they're at 33-1. to 1. Only two teams in the AFC have longer odds than Buffalo. And that's Miami at 35-1 to 1, and the Jets at 45-1. to 1, Which means... That New England's literally got to just show up and win the fucking AFC East again this year because all three of the longest odds in the AFC are all from the AFC East. Well, New England is also a big reason why those three teams are the longest odds because you're base you're basically all right already zero and two to start the season and fighting and, for a wild card and right fighting right. for a wild card spot. But that's not to say that in and of themselves. Those three teams aren't the weakest teams in the AFC this year because they may very well be. And it's, it's it's not a surprise to me at all. And at least at least Buffalo and New York um, has their quarterbacks of the future to look forward to. Miami, I don't know. I'm not sure what they're up to. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, I do want to touch on the U.S. Open. It was memorable this week but a lot of it was for the wrong reasons. Sunday was a great day today as we're taping tonight. Brooks Kepka wins the U.S. Open. He shot two under, wins by a stroke. Tommy Fleetwood shot a 63 earlier in the day, um, only the sixth time in U.S. Open history. But anyway, Kepka wins. It's his second straight. He's the first time uh, to go, first guy to go back-to-back since Curtis Strange in 1988 and 89. Anyway, for an exciting Sunday, a lot of people didn't give a shit about it by Sunday because of everything that happened earlier in the week. You know what I'm saying? So what was your take on the U S open? Yeah. I'm one of those people that, uh, that didn't give a shit come, come Sunday. Uh, and I, you know, I jump in a couple pools for all the majors and I'm usually having fun all four days, but I just, I don't like, you know, the, the scores of the U S open. Now today was different today. There was, there was good scoring, why couldn't we have done that on just one of the two, you know, days heading into the weekend? You know, just give me one day that where they can score a little bit, you know, and then one day where it's a beast. Uh, however, you know, you want to shake it out is is fine. But we lost way too many of the big names. And I don't know how that how that serves the game well at all. We do not tune in to what I mean. OK, he's it's his second in a row. And I, I guess. Well, that's definitely a, a cool story, and and I guess I if I worked hard enough, I would have remembered him from last year. But we don't tune in to watch Brooks Kepka, you know. I, I I mean, we just we we don't. A lot of the guys that we tune in to watch were gone, um, you know, come Saturday and Sunday, and it happens all the time at the U.S. Open, and I don't think it makes our championship better. I think it makes it worse, way worse. Rory shot 10 over on Thursday, Tiger 8 over, Jason Day, who I foolishly picked to win this stupid thing, he shot 9 over on Thursday, 
Jordan Speep, eight over. So, yeah. I mean, these guys, it, most of the big names right there, they were all done by Thursday. And as we, all right, so listen, we wind down here. I want to turn to your unpopular opinion. And I'm not going to let you slide with the U.S. Open take because I think a lot of people agree with you. So what's your unpopular opinion for this week? Well, you know, it's I, you know me and and uh, just the relentless show preparation that I do to, to to come up with some of these. But I thought about this today, you know, Father's Day, and as I got some of my, uh, you know, some of my goodies and whatnot. Now I I am a a chocolate and peanut butter freak. Okay, I mean anything that tastes like chocolate and peanut butter or has chocolate and peanut butter in it, I'm I'm going to town on it. That said. I think Nutella is an absolute fucking fraud. Okay, I, I, it, it, it's it's kind of like the bit strips of fucking like sweets. You know, remember remember when bit strips came out? Yeah, and everybody was like, you know, just jamming Facebook frequencies with their fucking pictures of bit strips and and whatever. We thought it was going to be <laughs> the biggest, yep. greatest thing ever. All right. That's that's how I see Nutella. It's garbage, and uh, hopefully it's extinct. Uh, you know, as 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 quickly as as uh, the bit strips went. My unpopular opinion for this week may be a little more generic than yours. In fact, it definitely is. But you know what? I don't give a shit about the World Cup. I hate soccer. I don't care Your about take, the World that Cup. That take sucks. Twitter that take is sucks annoying worse me. Than Nutella. Twitter is annoying to me during the World Cup. All these oh tweets about it. God. I don't give a shit about it. I'm not watching one second of it. America's not even in the World Cup, are it's they? So I good. just, I it's just don't care. So good. I just don't care. Yo, we do it's have breaking terrible. news though. I have breaking news right now as we're taping this late Sunday night. And I know what a big wrestling fan you are. Ronda <laughs> Rousey wrestled for the women's belt, and she did not win. She did not win the belt. She was going to, but then she got attacked from behind and Alexa Bliss cashed in her money in the bank contract, which she won earlier. And she's now your next woman's champion, not Ronda Rousey. You devastated by that? Uh, Of course. Sorry. I'm, I'm looking ahead to something with that, uh, with that breaking news, because I will say this, I believe there's a wrestling coming up locally here in Buffalo at the arena uh, within the next month or so. And as much as I, you know, as as much as I scoff at it, you know, generally speaking, if Rousey is is on this card or going to be in town, I will have my eyes peeled for you know for for a look at her. Like you know, like she's a superstar, man. She's a superstar, and if she's going to be at the uh, at the Key Bank Center, I'm uh, you know, I'm doing a little a little stargazing that day when I'm uh, when I'm setting up that show. Show. All right. Now on Thursday's show, I have Chris Baker from SabresProspect.com. We're talking Sabres free agency that's upcoming, the draft, and of course, Rosmus Dalene. I'm sure you're looking forward to hearing that. And you know, I'll tell you what, next Monday, you and I will have reactions to the draft. And you know, if the Sabres make any trades, which is a real possibility later this week with the draft, we'll have a nice, lengthy hockey discussion. It's a good time to do it with the Bills off for a few weeks. So you ready to talk some Sabres hockey next week? You know I'm ready to talk some Sabres hockey next week. I'm in. Looking forward to the Baker interview too, man. Speaking of hockey, I want to give my shout out to the Washington Capitals 
They took a full-page ad out in the Washington Post congratulating Vegas on their most successful inauguration season in sports history. I thought it was a very classy move. I liked it a lot. You got anyone you want to give a shout-out to? No. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that's another episode in the books. Once again, thanks to Yahoo Sports NBA insider Jordan Schultz for doing the podcast today. Really enjoyed talking to him about his career in plenty of NBA stuff. Make sure if you haven't already, you check out his pull-up with C.J. McCollum podcast featuring, of course, NBA star C.J. McCollum. It's a really good show. You get a lot out of it. I guarantee that. Make sure you go check that out. Of course, I also want to thank Tone Pucks for doing the Pat with Pucks segment we do every Monday. Dude's got some really good takes. I enjoy having him on every week. Coming up on Thursday's show, I have Chris Baker from SabresProspects.com. We're getting you ready for the NHL draft later this week. And free agency will start in just a few weeks. Really looking forward to that. I'm sure I'll have other stuff on Thursday as well. Okay, listen. If you haven't done so already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this show. It's the one thing I ask people who enjoy listening to this to do. It's quick. It's easy. It's literally completely free. When you subscribe, the latest episode automatically gets sent to your phone or to your computer. It's downloaded there. If you want to listen to it right then and there, great. Even if you don't, you want to delete it, that's fine too, I guess. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. Have a good week, everyone. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you guys again on Thursday. Peace out.